0: Well, good morning. If you get a chance, and I know BJ's in, in Canada, uh, and Pastor Paul's in, um, in Maine, I think they're visiting their grandchild, uh, their newest grandchild. Uh, but if you get a chance, thank the worship team. Uh, appreciate, I appreciate so much uh, how their hearts and their desire to lead us in worship every week, and um, I almost feel like my sermon's out of place now. So the <laughs> uh, title of the sermon today is, is Why Are You Weary? And, and after the time of worship, I'm, I'm not very weary, but I know uh, that I have been recently. And so uh, we're going to take a look at Galatians, the end of Galatians chapter 5 and uh, Galatians chapter 6 today. So if you want to uh, turn in your Bible or uh, turn on your smart device uh, to those, we'll get to the passage in just a second. So, several years ago, uh, God changed uh, my wife's calling. My wife's a civil engineer, uh, and when we moved to Pennsylvania eight years ago, uh, God allowed both of us to keep our jobs, and we both worked from home. Uh, Shortly, within six months after moving here, God changed my wife's calling to to be a stay-at-home mom. And one of the things, so guys, if your wife is a stay-at-home mom, I have a piece of advice for you. Never... Ask them what they did all day long, okay? Don't do it. I mean, it's a trap. It's a, You think this, right? You struggle. You, you go to work, and, and you come home, and you're like, what happened? What'd you do all day long? I made this mistake um, probably more than once. I've thought it more than I should have, uh, but don't, uh, don't do it. And see, I have the benefit. I worked from home, right? I I didn't travel. I didn't go someplace and come home. And when I actually heard the kids making the uh, the racket all day, I saw the messes that the kids made. I saw the, heard the constant questions uh, that my wife was, was asked uh, from the kids. And still in my stupidity and ignorance, I asked her, uh, what do you do all day? Don't do it. She doesn't do nothing. Uh, so I found a picture that might describe her day, um, right? Your wife, if she's a stay-at-home mom, if God's called her to that, uh, she might count the day a success if all the kids survive the day, right? If she, if she didn't let one of them get hurt or if she didn't kill them uh, herself, right? So it's a success. Here's another picture uh, found off Pinterest. Um, half the time, I feel like I'm running an insane asylum. The other half, I feel like I belong in one. So, uh, guys, just don't don't do it. Um, But today, so this idea of weariness and tiredness, right? We have a culture that is tired. I don't know if you guys have picked up on that, right? But, but we're busier than we've ever been, and it hasn't produced greater happiness or greater, greater satisfaction in our lives or in our country. And we are just a tired people, right? You ask people how they're doing, right? And they either say they're busy or they're tired right? It's one of those two things. That's one of the answers uh, that people give today is they're busy or they're tired. And, and you could culturally, we are tired. You could be a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, a a working dad, a single parent, a, uh, a grandparent, a teenager. It doesn't matter. Uh, We, we, we have a culture that is tired. And I found myself over the last several months as I've been weary. I've just been, I've been, I've been weary and, and I, I, I haven't figured out why, or i have been struggling to figure out why am I weary? Uh, and, and so a lot of us are tired. We're, we're weary. We're discouraged. We're tired of having to work hard at relationships. We're tired of, 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 the constant grind of life we're we're discouraged and weary because things just don't seem to get easier. We're weary, but the Christian life, if we look at scripture, the Christian life is not one described by weariness. It's not. If we look back in Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-two through twenty-three, which we looked at three weeks ago, it says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control." Right? Joy and peace and patience is not weariness. Right? When I'm weary and when I'm tired, I'm not patient. Right? That's when I yell at my kids, or that's when I'm short with my wife right that's this is not the picture of the christian life if we look back at uh, in matthew chapter 11 jesus gave he called to call the call to follow jesus in matthew chapter 11 he says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest take upon me upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Christian life is not one that's supposed to be weary. Now, we're not promised that it's going to be easy, right? Uh, uh, we're promised that if we follow Jesus, then we're going to be persecuted. That's one of the things that Jesus, uh, it's one of those promises that you don't fi- find in promise books uh, that you, you want to lift up and you want to hold on to. We're not promised that, that following after Jesus is going to be simple or easy without trouble or without hardship. But the Christian life is not described as one being weary. And so why, why do I get weary? Why am I weary? I believe the promise in Romans chapter eight verse 28, that, uh, that, uh, that, that God causes all things to work together for good, for those that love Him and for those that have uh, been called according to His purpose. And so there's moments I can stand in great confidence. I can stand in great, uh, in, in in unswerving faith, faith, saying that God is good, God is great, God is going to take care of me. And then there are other moments that that I'm crying out to God, and I'm like, God, when is this going to be over? How long is this going to take? And I desperately want out of the mess. So today we're going to look at uh, the, the last few verses of Galatians 5 and, and the first part of Galatians 6. And and the question is, why are you weary? But I, I have to admit that this is for me, <laughs> that, that this this passage and this sermon was for me because this is what I needed to ask and answer the question of, why am I weary? Let's pray. God, you are good. Lord, we thank you that, that you truly are the God of the universe and the Lord that nothing is outside of your control and outside of your ability, Lord that you love us, that you show compassion to us and mercy to us, and that Lord you you desire for the best for us, and that the best for us is walking in obedience and complete uh, uh, completely following after you with all that we are. God, I pray that you would you would encourage us today as we look at your at your word, Lord that you would convict us. Did you convict me to help me understand why I'm weary, and Lord, help me to chase after you. Pray that you would bless your Word and use it in a mighty and powerful way. It's in your name, Amen. So I'm going to read our entire passage. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen behind you. Uh, it'll come up when we get through the different points. Okay, so uh, so we'll come back to it. But I just want you to listen: Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-five, through Galatians chapter six, verse ten. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And so then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. So Paul, Paul's ending. He's coming to the end of his, his, his letter to the churches in Galatia. He spent uh, four and a half chapters uh, fighting against this uh, this the the teaching that that you're saved by the law, by you're saved by works, that you have to become Jewish to become a Christian to follow Christ. Is is this it's this battle uh, that we are saved by grace and not by works, that we've been set free, that in Christ we have forgiveness and eternal life, and it's not something that we can earn or be worthy of or deserve. It's never something that uh, that we contribute to in any way. It's a free gift to us. And at the end of Galatians 5, which we looked at several weeks ago, uh, he, he gives this, this contrast between the works of the flesh, which are in verses 19 through 21, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so he comes to the end of chapter 5 in the beginning of chapter, chapter 6, and he gets practical. That's why I love Paul. Paul deals the theologically very deep. And then he almost always moves into something that's very practical. And so he, he begins to lay out what does walking by the spirit living by the spirit, uh, look like. And in verse uh, 26, it says, don't be boastful. Don't be envious. And in chapter six, verse one, he says, uh, don't, Uh, restore in gentleness a brother who's been caught in sin. Verse 2, you know, bear one another's burdens. And so he's moved into this, this realm of practicality. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to expand on this grace versus law concept, this contrast between the two. The law says you must do these things to be right with God. Grace says because God has made you right through his son Jesus Christ, you want to do these things. Right? So the, the idea, this contrast between the grace makes us want to do what God desires of us. The law says you must do these things. But in, practica- in all the practicality, he comes to verse 9 and 10, right? He's saying, hey, you should do this, you shouldn't do this. This is what your heart attitude should be. And he comes to verse 9 and he says, let us not, let us not lose heart. Let us not lose heart in doing good. We will reap if we do not grow weary. Again, weariness is not the picture of the Christian life. It's not what following Christ uh, is, is given to us. But Paul, uh, Paul says, do not lose heart. And, and he would not be surprised today if you're weary. Because the flesh, right? The flesh still, we still have this battle. Uh, we still have this battle within us that the flesh is still there. And we're still fighting against the flesh versus the spirit within us. He knows the flesh wants to avoid pain at all costs and the temptation to give up and to coast is real. And so why are you weary? So first question, are you, why might you be weary? Are you attempting to live life or do ministry out of your own strength and your own wisdom? So let's look back at verse 25. It says, if we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. You know, there's a promise in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 that's taken out of context all the time. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted or tested, is another translation, beyond what you are able. We use this verse to tell people when they're going through a struggle or going through a difficulty in their life, we say, Hey, God will not give you more than you are able to bear. right? He's not going to give you more than you can handle. But we, we give that promise as if, Jim, you're strong enough to endure everything that God gives you right? But that's not what the promise, that's not the intention of the promise. Because the reality is God gives you more than you can bear every day, right? He gives you more than you can bear in every season of your life because he does not want you to live life in your own strength. He wants you to know that you need him. He wants you to to run to him for strength and for help and concern. He gives us more than we can bear on our own, but with Christ. All things are possible. So the promise, and so we, we use this promise uh, to try to encourage people, but we don't understand it because the reality is this verse says that we need him in everything that we do. All you have to do is ask somebody that, that is, is going through a serious illness or parents who have suffered a miscarriage or a drug addict or porn addict who's doing their best, despite their best efforts, keeps failing. Or the parent that, uh, that, whose teenager is rebelling against them, or the, four, the parents of the four year old who can't get them to stay in bed at night, right? God gives us more than we can handle on our own, but with His help, we can handle all things. In Him, we can do all things. God gives us more than, uh, gives us and allows us to experience more than we can bear all the time because He doesn't want us walking through life on our own. We need Him every hour, every hour. And yet, most of us try to live life on our own. We're too busy to find time to read the Bible. We've got to get to work. We're, there are more important things in our life than spending time in prayer. We can memorize hundreds of sports statistics, but find it impossible to memorize scripture. The promise in 1 Corinthians 10:13 is only true if we're walking by the Spirit, which is what verse 25 says, if we walk, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. In John 15, uh, Jesus calls us to abide in him, to dwell in him, to remain in him, because apart from him we can do nothing. Maybe you're weary, if you're weary today, maybe you're weary because you are living life in your own strength and your own wisdom. And you believe for some reason that right we 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 fall into this 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 trap. We say if just one thing changed. If I just got that job. If my daughter would just behave. If, 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 if somebody was just nice to me, if, if, if I just had that new car, I got to go on that vacation, I got this experience, whatever it is, we think if just one thing changed, then our life would be better. Our life would, would be bearable. It would be, uh, it would be good. But you won't find joy and peace and, and chasing after money or better toys or a more important position or a prettier appearance or, or some new experience. God, God has, he, you won't find satisfaction for your soul in those things, even if they are good, even if they are good, because God has designed us to need him, not only for salvation, but for satisfaction. He's designed for him to be the air that we breathe and the, the water that we drink. Jesus describes himself as the living water, and he invites us, he says, come and drink that you may never thirst again. God is most glorified, when we are most in most need of him and we are most satisfied when we chase after knowing him. That's life walking by the Spirit. Are you attempting to live life or do ministry out of your own strength or wisdom? Why are you weary? Are you, Or are you thinking about yourself too much? I, I checked the box on both of these, okay? So why am I weary or why have I been weary? I checked the box on both of these so far. So we're gonna, uh, chapter 5, verse 26 through chapter 6, verse 5. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. And brethren, if, if, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. When Jesus was asked what the, the greatest commandment was, right? Uh, he responded. He said, "Oh, the, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind." Right? And then he re- he went on. He wasn't asked what the second greatest was, but he get, he went on and he gave it. He said, "The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself." The greatest expressions of our faith in Christ, the greatest expressions of our faith in Christ are first to love God and second to love others. We're not in that, (laughs) right? But he uses the expression, love your neighbor as yourself, because we love ourselves quite a bit, right? But we're not in that. That's not in the greatest expression of our faith is to love ourselves. In these verses, though, we see that struggle of selfishness. We see the struggle of self-centeredness. We see the personal pride and thinking too highly of ourselves. Those are direct contradiction to our faith and walking by the Spirit. In verse 26, 26, he sets up that contrast where we think too highly of ourselves. He says, don't become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. That middle phrase, that challenging one another, uh, the, uh, most translations will say provoking. I'm reading from the New American Standard today. Most translations will say provoking one another. And it's this idea of comparing ourselves to somebody else. It's this idea of competition, of trying to elevate ourselves above others. For the believer in walking by the Spirit, we aren't in competition with other believers. I don't mind who God uses to bring him glory, who God uses to accomplish his work. I don't mind who gets elevated or who who, who who gets used. They don't see themselves as better than others and as more deserving or more holy or more equipped. For the believer, there's no competition. That's walking by the Spirit, but for the believer walking in the flesh, they're constantly comparing themselves to others, constantly trying to elevate themselves. In verse one, we see how this play. We begin to see a little bit of how this plays out. If if you catch a brother in sin, right, and this is this is a surprise, this is unexpected. Uh, it's not planned. It's not deliberate. If you catch a brother in sin, uh, is is your desire for them to be restored, or is your desire For somebody else to know. Is our desire when we see somebody in sin. For them to be restored. Which the goal and the hope. When it says the spirit of gentleness. Is in private. Or is our desire for others to know how badly they've messed up. That's when it's about us. When we put, when our desire, even if it's done in a godly, and I say godly way, and I say, hey, Ryan, can you pray for Jonathan? Because this is what Jonathan did this week. One of the reasons that we become weary when we think about ourselves too much is because it's always a competition. It's always, I need to be seen in a positive light I need others to think well of me. I need others to, uh, to have a high opinion of me. I need to be noticed and seen. We're always concerned about what others think. And so we may even do good things, but not for the glory of God. Instead, so that others may see and think well of us. So you can check yourself on verse 1. Right When a brother or sister sins and you've, you've seen it and you've noticed it, do you first go to that person or do you go to somebody else so that they would know how bad that person is? Loving our neighbors as ourselves means we go to that person before the, we say a word to someone else. Are you weary because you think too much about yourself? I'm, uh, verse 2 gives us, another practical way of how difficult this is when you love yourself. You can't bear one another's burdens. In verse 2, it says, bear one another's burdens. The call to love our neighbors ourselves is hard and difficult. The word burden, right? The idea is it's a heavy weight, right? It's a mess, and so if you're going to bear someone else's burdens, if you're going to walk through them, you're going to have to endure. So this call to bear one another's burdens is a call to endure with somebody else. When you hear, so here's the example. I have a, uh, a friend that's moving and I heard that he was moving. And I was like, yeah, don't call me, <laughs> right? Who, if you have a friend that's moving, are you the guy that volunteers to say, hey, yeah, I'll come and move the, the, the bedroom furniture? right? I'm not that guy because that's the weight, right? That's the picture of the the burden that that this verse has kind of given us, that it's heavy, it's hard, it's difficult. But this is is what doing life uh, looks like. We're to endure and we're to bear one another's burdens. I've been greatly encouraged, and I'm not going to give specifics, but there's a life group and and one of the life groups, there's a, there's a member that's been in and out of the hospital several times uh, over this last year. And in the life group, I've been greatly encouraged because they've come around the family, and they've supported them, and they've loved them. They've cared for them. They've gone and helped do things that, that people wouldn't even think of. And it's, it's been an ongoing process, and it's been, it's been something that's taken time and effort and encouragement. This is doing life together. And they do it not to be noticed. They do it not for anybody to give them a pat on the back, but because they love them. But that's hard because bearing one another's burdens is messy. It often requires us to sacrifice something that we may want to to meet an ongoing need, something that, uh, that may take an extended period of time. See, I can sit down and have a conversation with you and see how you're doing, and ask you questions, and and say, hey, how can I pray for you? And then you can share what's going on in your life, and I can go my way, and you're still dealing with it on your own, right? That's easy. What's hard is saying, hey, I want to walk with you through this. I want to bear this burden with you because I love you, and because he's called us to do this together. Bearing one another's burden we can only do that. Verse 3, it says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We can only come to that point of being willing to bear somebody else's burdens when we realize that we're nothing. That it doesn't matter. That, that, that I'm of no importance, that you are more important than I am, and I need to give so that I can help and encourage you. You know, pastors, pastors are really prone to this. <laughs> we really are. Pastors are prone to this. We're, we've been called to, to shepherd as children and, and preach the word of God. I read an article this week. It was from the Gospel Coalition. Uh, and it was stop photobombing Jesus. Okay, uh, I shared it on Facebook. I'm not sure uh, some of you might have read it, but the idea was is this: this pastor uh, or this young man who felt that God would use him to speak and use him to share his testimony, and God would use him whenever, uh, when whenever he got to be up in front of people. And so he went off to he went off to college, and, and when he got to college, the uh, uh, he went to the college minister or college pastor and said, "Hey, can I help?" And the guy said, "Yeah, great." I got this job, and he took him backstage, and he said, this is, this is the cord that opens the curtain. And so he stood there, and he opened the curtain, and the whole time he was bitter because he's like, if only I was standing up there, God would do a great and powerful thing, right? If only I was the one in front leading, God would be blessing in such a great and powerful way, but instead I'm back here, and nobody can see me. Right, this is thinking too much of ourselves, and this is the this is the difficulty, this is the struggle, this is the uh, the, the 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 struggle that pastors often uh, deal with, to, uh, because it's a competition. To prove that we're better, better than the other pastor, better than the grumpy church member, better than uh, the guy currently on stage. I told you this was me, right? <laughs> I told you this was me, that we think too highly of ourselves and we think too much about ourselves. We become weary because no amount of recognition, no amount of praise, no amount of adulation uh, will, will satisfy our souls right? It won't. No amount of people clapping you on the back and saying, hey, good job, or people recognizing and seeing how much you've contributed will bring you satisfaction. It may bring you a moment, a moment of, oh, that was nice, but it won't bring you satisfaction. Only abiding and walking with Christ will. Only drinking from the living waters will you never thirst again. Verse 5 kind of, it, it gives this picture of that contentment, right? It says, for each one will bear his own load. And this load in verse 5 is not the burden that's described earlier, right? It's a different word. And this load is our responsibilities. It's, it's the opportunities that God calls us to. We're to be content in what God has planned for our lives. Whether it's measured by greatness in the world standards or not. Why are you weary? Are you attempting to live life or do ministry out of your own strength and wisdom? Are you thinking too much about yourself? Or are you building your own kingdom instead of the kingdom of God? Verses 6 through 10. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him, and do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And so then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, I I don't know a lick about farming. Okay, I do know that I would not last one day. Is Ben Herb in the in the room tonight today? I'm not sure, Uh, but I wouldn't last. I wouldn't survive, right? Having to farm, but I don't know anything about it. What I do know about farmers, uh, farmers are some of the hardest working men and women I've ever met. They're disciplined. They're intentional. They get up early every day, almost every day, and they go to bed late almost every night. They can't be lazy. And the reason they can't be lazy is because if they don't sow the seed, right, and do everything that is required, then they're not going to reap the harvest at the end of the season, right? But they also know that they have to do everything that they can, and then there's a moment where they have to say, okay, God's got to take care of the rest. I can do everything right and still not get the rain that it needs for the crops to grow, Right? They have to trust God. They have to have faith and, and walk, uh, trust him for the rest. And this is the picture that, that Paul's using in verses 6 through 10, this reaping and sowing. And he uses the picture uh, and, use, and ties it to an example of money. Right? He sees the contrast in verse 6 and verse 7. Uh, in verse 6, is, is we're, we're to give generously. We're to, to share all good things with those that teach, those, uh, the, our pastors, our ministers. In verse 7 though the contrast is 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 somebody trying to deceive God right somebody trying to say hey you don't really know what I give or what I don't give and I don't I don't have a clue but God knows right? And so he uses this reaping and sowing, and he gives a practical example of, uh, of giving uh, to, to, show, to show how it's implied or to show how it works out. And so God is not to be mocked, not to be fooled. He knows our heart. He knows everything, but it's more than money, right? He just uses that example in verse 6. It's more than money. It's our heart, and it's our time, and it's our energy. It's the purpose for which we invest our lives, if we sow in the works of the flesh that's listed back in Galatians 5, if we, then we'll reap corruption, verse 8 says. It's destruction, ruin. But if we sow to the Spirit, we will reap the Spirit. One of the signs that you're weary is you begin to ask, why? Why? Why do I give so much time? Why do I care? Why? It does no one ever notice. Verse 9 is supposed to be an encouragement to us in that that when we make an eternal investment, when we sow in the Spirit, we will not always see the harvest this side of heaven. And we may never know the impact, the sowing in the life, this life that we may have that should be okay. We have to be like the farmer. We have to do everything that we can do and then leave the rest to God because we trust in the promise in verse nine that at the proper time we will reap the harvest. So uh, as I think about this, I, I thought, I've thought about uh, children and the, those of you that are children's teachers and workers and uh, our kids are in here today uh, for Kingdom Kids this week and next week. And I, thought, I think about those that work with kids. They serve kids or they teach kids. And and often you have no idea of the impact that you have on somebody's life. You don't. You don't know the example of, of, of a man working in the three-year-old's classroom and playing with the kids has on a child saying, well, this is normal for men to love children and for men to love God. Right? You don't know the impact of, of teaching a Sunday school class that, of, of five-year-olds because you're not going to see who they are in 10 years. Right, I think about uh, I think about our third and fourth grade class, and, and Joe and Linda Dukes taught for several years and, and we were blessed Andrew got to be in the class and, and so now, every time Andrew uh, sees Mr. Dukes on Sunday nights he'd he go and have deep theological questions uh, with mr. Joe and I can tell you, as a guy that's been to seminary, it's great that he goes to somebody else and asks those questions because they're hard. <laughs> But that's the investment. They will never know the full impact of, of teaching and imparting the passion for the gospel and the passion for missions that they did so faithfully. I think about Liz and R.C. Um, RC Fraley Hogue. They, they stepped up along with Kristen and Carl Foyt to, to teach our third and fourth grade class this year, and I'm so thankful for that because uh, one day they didn't know, right? They didn't know, uh, that, and I'm confident there are Sunday mornings that if you're a teacher, you don't want to get up and come to church, you don't want to serve. You're tired. You ask why. You're weary. But then one Sunday Carl or RC and, and Liz shared the gospel with their class and they invited their class to say, if anybody wants to believe. And our little our daughter, Catherine, accepted Christ in Sunday school because two people invested their time in her life to teach her the gospel. Right? We don't always get to see what we reap. Right? We don't always get to see the investment and the growth of, of how we've given our lives, but we have the promise that in proper time and due time, God will produce the harvest. But when you're building your own kingdom, when you're building your own kingdom, you're impatient and you want more. You don't want to be in with the three-year-olds. You want to be on stage in front of the congregation. You, you, you're you impatient, you want more, you want it now, you think you deserve it. If, if you don't see results and you become weary, if your motive's wrong, you'll, you'll give up, you, want, you won't endure. You want bigger and better. And if it's not bigger and better, you don't want to be a part of it. Sometimes God calls us to simple. For those of you here today that teach and serve our children, thank you. I know Melissa needs more teachers for this coming year, and if you're willing to invest in the lives of children not knowing the impact that you're going to have on them in a decade or 20 years from now, and the ones that they're going to remember, like, yeah, I remember going to Sunday school as a kid. I remember remember my teachers. Thank you for serving as a living example of Christ's love in their lives. For those that teach and serve our youth, and for those that teach and serve our adults, thank you because you don't know the impact that you have. You do it week in and week out, and and if it's not for your glory and it's for God's glory, you may never see the impact that you have in people's lives, but thank you. Are you weary today? I've been weary lately. The last three months, I've been weary. Uh, I've been weary that you know, three weeks ago, I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to teach because I was weary. And I check all these boxes. I'm weary because I try to do it on my own. And I can do a lot on my own. God's gifted me, and I, I can, I'm smart, or, you know, I, I feel like I can do a lot, and I can do a lot on my own, but it's going to make me weary. I think about myself too much, right? I think too highly of myself and my own ability and what I can bring. And I'm trying to build for my own kingdom rather than God's. Are you weary? Following Jesus isn't supposed to be, supposed to cause us to be weary. He, call, he may call us to do hard and difficult things. We may face great trials in the life in, in this life, but walking in obedience to Him is supposed to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Following Jesus isn't supposed to cause us to be weary. In his invitation to follow him, he calls everyone who is weary to follow him. Church, that's what I long for. That's what I long for us and for me. But the sinful nature still resides in me. Galatians 5.17 says the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit its desire against the flesh. And I'm prone to get off track. And when I do, I become weary in doing good, and I want to give up because I make it all about me. It could be my job or my family. It could be here at church. And when I take my eyes off of Christ and the fullness of his glory, that's when I begin to think more of myself than I am. That's when I start to do things in my own strength and when I become weary. I'm excited about the 27th. I hope you're excited on the 27th. We won't have childcare on, on, on August the 27th, uh, the evening, but we hope you bring your kids, babies and all uh, on the 27th because we're looking forward. This last year has been hard, right? It's been hard at times. There have been times where we've seen God working and there's other times where we're like, okay, God, when are you going to be done, right? When are we going to get to where we want to be, to where you want us to be? And we're, on the 27th, we're going to look forward. But I promise you this, the future is not easy. <laughs> the road ahead is not necessarily going to be easier than the road we've, just tra- we've been traveling over the last year as a church. And so we, have, we will all be faced with temptation to become weary because the future is not going to be here tomorrow. Right? It's not going to, we're not going to solve all of our problems as a church in, next, in a week or in a month. It can be a while, and we have to work through it, and we have to, we have to make sure that, that, that we're not trying to do things in our own strength, that, that we're not making it about us, that we're, that, that, we're, that we're looking to Christ and the fullness of his glory, and we're wanting to lift him up and become the church that he wants us to be, to be a church that is impacting the community that, that is in the world and not of the world. Those things that God will ask us to do will not be easy. And they're going to require us to give immensely of our time and our energy and our efforts and our money. You know, the, uh, I've seen it, right? I've seen it in churches. Uh, the church, it, it gets weary as it's waiting for its next pastor. And then when the pastor comes, everybody's like, oh, we can rest now. But I can promise you, the pastor that, we, that God has for us is not going to come ready for us to rest. <laughs> He's going to be ready for us to move forward in faith to make an impact on our community and on our world. Church, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap the harvest. We will reap if we do not grow weary. And so, some of you are weary, like me, like I've been, and here's my advice don't give up. That's what Paul says in verse nine, right? Don't give up, run to the cross. The cross. Remember, as we sang, the reason that as we sing in worship and why I said, Hey, at the beginning, the sermon feels like out of place because I was energized and I wasn't weary because I put my eyes upon him who saved me and who is continuing to work a good thing in me to make me into who he wants me to be. And so run to the cross, marvel at the grace of Christ. heard somebody, um, share recently some some people struggle because they came became a christian at a young age and they're like i don't have much of a testimony but if you realize how horrible of a sinner you are even if you were saved at five you understand the grace of christ you understand what god has saved you from and his forgiveness and the amount of forgiveness that you need so don't give up run to the cross marvel at the grace of christ seek first his kingdom and his righteousness So what's standing in the way for you? Why are you weary? Maybe you need to cry out to God in sorrowness, uh, sorrow and repentance and confess that you've sought satisfaction, fulfillment, and something else other than him. You've sought it in your job, in your family, and in, in position, or recognition, or, or money, or whatever it is. Maybe you need to cry out to God in brokenness because you've thought too highly of yourself. And that's become a barrier because you've elevated yourself and you've not exalted Christ. Maybe God's laid a need on your heart today, a need in the church or a need in the community, and it scares you because it's big. And you're like, I can't do that. And it feels like it's too much, but God wants you to step out in faith and serve, and believe. Maybe God's calling you to coach a football team, and you're scared. (laughs) But imagine the impact that you can have on a team of kids from our community. Whatever's standing in your way today, push it aside. Repent, and ask for forgiveness, and run to Christ. Let's pray. God, you are faithful. Lord, you are faithful in our lives. You are faithful to uh, uh, to forgive us when we come to you and we cry out to you. God, you are good and you are great. And Lord, I pray that you help you help us that when we become weary, that that you help us to look towards you and to seek out you and the living water that you offer to us, Lord. That we may never thirst again. God, Lord, I pray that that you help us to to evaluate ourselves and our life and know that, that we can come to you and you forgive us, you welcome us with open arms and you're ready for us to walk in fullness of life that you promised us in John 10.10. 10. God, you are good. You have great things in store for us as individuals and as a church. Lord, they may be hard and difficult and not things that we desire, but Lord, we know and trust and believe that you are do, using all things and working all things together for our good because we love you and we've been called according to your purpose. God, thank you for being our God. Thank you for loving us enough to die on the cross that in you we might have forgiveness of our sins and we might have eternal life. Lord, I pray that you help us to have a vision that our lives in walking and serving and following you by walking by the Spirit are not to be weary or they're to be filled with joy and peace and patience. thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.